Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then history buffs and historians ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley and this is the 464th show of ROI. Our guests for today's show are Jackie Byrne, founder of Flex School, and Brett Menard, a Flex School history instructor, who are going to take time out of their busy schedule to talk to us about the Flex School. Serving the Neurodiverse Students. The history buff for today's show is Rick Sweet. The theme song for our show is Kayla's Theme, which was written and performed by Mark Zap Zaptel. Our producer and engineer is, as always, Mr. David Baker. We'd like to welcome our guest, in plural, to the show, uh, Miss Jackie Byrne and Brett Menard. Welcome to the show, guys. Happy to be here. Yes, this is a new one for you, Brett. I know you're going to be a little nervous, but you'll be just fine. Uh, we call the first segment of our show for Rook to Naren, and our goal is to give our listeners the background on today's subject. So, we have two experts. We have Jackie, um, who is going to discuss with us uh, why, with the creation of Flex School, and then Brett Menard, obviously an instructor. So, Jackie, you're going to get the opening segment here. And then when we go into the uh, kitchen table segment, I will give the floor to Brett then. So, Jackie, why don't you start it off with some basic information? on what brought you to work with twice exceptional students, which um, your school, Flex School, serves. That sounds great. I would love to. So just for those of us, those of you who haven't heard the term twice exceptional before, it refers to students who are gifted in one or more ways and who also have something that gets in the way of expressing that, um, that academic potential. So it could be being on the autism spectrum, it could be ADHD, it could be severe anxiety, dyslexia. There are all kinds of, of sort of other exceptionalities fall under twice exceptional. So I didn't start out to start a school. Um, this, this had not been my long-term goal, though I'm extremely grateful that this is where I am now. And it started because of desperation, really. That's the, the short answer. So a little background. I am um, a single parent. I have four kids, including a set of triplets. And the older child is only 18 months older than the triplets. So I was busy enough, and I was running the academics for another educational company that I had co-founded. And so... When two of the triplets started failing sixth grade and, you know, dropping out of gifted and talented, being super engaged at home, but not engaged in school at all. And it started with things like, mom, the book is stupid. I know the vocabulary. I finished it the first day. I'm not doing it. And as a parent, you think you've got this one, right? You think... <laughs> Okay, well, sometimes you have to do things you don't feel like doing. If you know all that, it shouldn't be too difficult. Just get it done. But on principle, they were not doing it. And it went from there to a lot of anxiety and depression, particularly on one of the kids. The other child was also in trouble, but it wasn't as obvious at that point. And he started getting more and more 
anxious and I'd see him at the end of the driveway, like putting on this armor to go to school. And this was not the teacher's fault. This was all my kids. I know how some parents say like, oh, this was the teacher's. That is not the truth here. They were just bending over backwards, trying to help my kids, figuring out ways to engage them, et cetera. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't working. And yet I saw how engaged they were at home in self-directed things. One of them was writing a book, et cetera. And so even if they did the work, they would forget to turn it in. So there were a lot of executive functioning issues going on as well. And so I didn't really know what to do. I knew the local schools um, professionally, but I didn't know them personally. So I looked around and surprisingly, kids who are smart, who have really bad grades and who need financial aid are not at the top of the admission list. I know that that will come as a shock. So I didn't really know what to do because I was a single parent. I couldn't homeschool. And I knew that who was in trouble first is one of the more stubborn people on earth. And I knew that he was going to have school refusal by the next year, by seventh grade. And that I really wasn't going to be able to handle on my own. And so I still wasn't thinking of starting one a lot of opinions about education. Um, and one day, the, the concept and the structure of flex school just kind of landed in my head. And I know you hear those stories and you're like, that is such, you know, BS. That's exactly what happened. And out of my mouth came, we're going to start a school. And my business partner at the time looked at me and she said, no, we're not. I was like, we are. And we did. And uh, we started with seven kids. Two of them were mine. And we've grown since then. Now we have um, a school in New Jersey, a school in New York. And in 2015, we started an online school that is 100% live. And I know that this is a very timely topic, especially as we come out of the pandemic and teachers are so stressed out and it's been so exhausting and trying to figure out how to make this process better for students and teachers, et cetera. And I'd like to think that we are a little think tank where we can try out ideas because we're small and then maybe some of those ideas will spread. Okay. Uh, We have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on station KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. The KALA website is your one-stop spot to find out more about your favorite radio station. Submit a public service announcement. Catch up on news about KALA. And listening to any of our three stations, 885-1061 or The Stinger, is just a click away. Visit KALAFM.org. That's KALAFM.org. 
Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, presentations, and schools. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley and this is the second segment of our show, which is referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guests for today are Jackie Byrne, founder of Flex School, and one of her number one instructors, Mr. Brett Menard, who is a teacher at Flex School, and he teaches history. So we're going to be talking about Flex School, serving the neurodiverse students. And as I said in the first segment, uh, Jackie uh, pretty much explained to our listeners the basis of the school. And now we're going to give the floor to Brett to describe how a Flex classroom is different than what we would normally consider a a normal class. The floor is yours, Brett. Okay, so the first difference is in the name of the school, Flex School. So we're a lot more flexible than a standard public school. Um, Public schools do a great job of educating the bulk of students. And um, I was a public school teacher for 10 years, loved it. But the type of student we get at Flex School um, just is not the type of student for whom that traditional structure works. And um, for a variety of reasons. So we have kids who are on the autistic spectrum who need to stem. So they might want to get up and pace or flap their arms or or do something that would be uh, distracting in a typical classroom. Um, We have students who uh, have anxiety, so the fact that they can be learning from home uh, really helps them. And our classes are very small, so usually we're in uh, single digits because these students have such diverse needs. So we have um, some students who might be ready for college-level Um, mathematics in seventh grade, but might need remedial reading. Um, And that's a difficult nut to crack uh, in a public school if you have one of those two uh, diagnoses. If you have both, then the systems just aren't set up well uh, to handle that because you're looking at having to potentially bus students to different locations, um, all sort of issues like that. The other thing that's different in a standard class at Flex School, a core class, is because um, we're small and because we can do things a little more personalized, we can lean into some of those student interests and use those as a hook. Um, because we have few enough students that we can really get some of that personalized attention in curriculum. And the other thing that Flex does really well is a number of our students come to us just having had horrendous school experiences. These are the kids who are locking their room saying, I refuse to go. So a lot of what we do, especially uh, when people are new to us, is just rebuild that love of learning. Uh, So we can do some fun electives, like um, there's a urban planning elective where students are uh, using a city planning game to learn about that. 
sort of thing. Um, I did a daily life in the Middle Ages class that went for two trimesters, which was a blast. Uh, and those, again, are things that are difficult to do in a standard um, public school. Okay. Rick, you have a question. Oh, yeah, I've got uh, wrote down 63 questions. We have time, John? Uh, knock yourself out, Rick. Go ahead. Oh, no, actually. <laughs> well, this is for Jackie and Brett both. Um, just just curious, uh, what kind of curriculum model are you using uh, and what type of expected outcomes are you uh, hoping for with your various uh students so the kids are college bound for the most part um four-year colleges so look at, at our school profile um the students test very well and they do well in college admission so our average act score is a 31 which is the equivalent of the 710 720 on the sap uh, so they have these these so they're sort of have rough edges when we get them but by the time they graduate they are so to for your university and some needs work when they get there. And some don't. It's a process over the years. Um, and so in terms of the curriculum, I think we, we try to do a nice balance of giving teachers freedom to include student interests, as Brett says, and also to follow the basics of Common Core, which I think are good. What has happened, you know, in sometimes as a result of Common Core has been less successful, but I think the basic tenets are there. And our graduation requirements look just like other people's graduation requirements. We just have the kids in ability-based classes as opposed to age-based. So you can walk into a classroom and there might be a four-year age split among the students. Okay, so where are your schools located? Because you were mentioned earlier, you've, you've kind of spread out. Yeah, so one in Berkeley Heights, New Jersey, one in Bronxville, New York, and then we have the, the remote school, which we call the Cloud Campus, and we have students from around the world. Okay, so a question with these students, because you were talking before, being that they're twice exceptional, um, some of these individuals, of course, probably have um, issues that if they were in a public school, that there might be an IEP tied with it. Uh, do, when, do you guys, if they come with them, do you recognize them? Or how is that? Because, I mean, I've been teaching for nearly 30 years, and I've had some kids that were brilliantly through the roof. But there are other issues where why we had to meet for the IEP. Most of our, well, a lot of our students come in with IEPs, and we have school districts who send students like this to us because, as Brett said earlier, it's impossible to help these kids within the structure um, of a public school. It just isn't feasible. The teachers already have 10 other IEPs in the class. You know, it's just, it's a, a big ask. So I'll give you um, an example of a student who came and 
so there was a little boy, I met him first in fourth grade, and I got the, the file from the school district and I read it and I called back and I said, you know, we're not the right school for him if this is true. And I said, but there's another way to read the file. And so I walked her through a 2E perspective and this boy was in a self-contained special ed class with a one-on-one aide. So the, the director of special services said, well, which is it? And I said, I don't know, bring him in. So when he came in, I got a chance to talk to him and I said, you know, in your file, it says that you are having fits every day. What's up? And he said, oh, it's great. And that's when I knew he was one of our kids. Yeah. <laughs> a little irreverence. Um, and, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it's really boring. And when I can't take it for myself on the floor and I have a fit and they take me out of the room. Well, you have the systems down. So there are these dichotomies in the kids and sort of some threads that run through them. Like um, they don't think that adults deserve respect just because they're old. They think that adults should have to earn their respect the same way that they are supposed to respect the adults. And you can see how that causes all kinds of behavioral issues and maladaptive coping skills and really infuriates teachers. Um, And so a lot of the kids come with IEPs and we do some of the things we handle a little bit differently from the way it would be handled in another school. Like we have counseling on demand and as opposed to scheduled, but we match the, the IEP and we discuss those differences with school districts when they send or with parents who come in with IEP. Rick. Yeah, I was going to mention the the strategy of uh, throwing a fit and flipping around the floor is what I used to do to get out of corporate meetings that I was bored out of my mind on. So (laughs) I applaud that. Uh, Well, you know, they they, evidently these individuals are going to be executives of Caterpillar, so it all works out. Absolutely, probably are. Uh, uh, Again, for Jackie and Brett, both uh, weighing on this, I have a I have a, a serious bias about. Uh, post-secondary education, uh, I believe only 80% of the people on the planet should should uh, stay away from college. Are, is anything in the your program that leads your students to start developing technical skills that can be uh, used uh, in occupations that do not require a four-year college degree? So I'll, you want me to take that one? Go ahead. I'll, I'll give you an example, and then Jackie can kind of fill it. So I had a student last year um, who was in my medieval daily life class who was interested enough in metalworking that she had set up her own smithy uh, in a shed uh, on the family property and would show you that, oh, this is what I was working on uh, over the weekend or or last night. So there is that opportunity uh, to develop some of those uh, technical skills or or some of the more uh, 
craftsmanship or, or artistic uh, type of things. And the other nice thing about uh, the type of program we run is if we see a need, we have the freedom to go and try and find an individual instructor who can help that student with that skill. So we have a number of my colleagues who only teach one or two classes. It's not their full-time gig. Um, so that does help um, lean into those types of um, more trades-based uh, students. Anything you wanted to add, Jackie? Yeah, just quickly, you know, we have a student who graduated last year who's at a technical school um, right now. And I agree with you that not everyone is um, ready for, interested in um, going to a university. So we have something on Fridays called Flex Friday and, and the morning is um, some other experiential things. But in the afternoon, we have speakers and programs from all over the world talking to the students to try to make academics real and to give them a fund of knowledge that they can use to have new ideas from, to find patterns in, etc. And we do everything from go to a recycling center, um, you know, in, that was in person to see all of the machines and how they work to having somebody from the military talk to the kids, all different, um, all different walks of life. And then things like the baseball hall of fame did a physics presentation on, on physics and baseball. So we try to cover a lot of ground because these are non-traditional students and most of them do go to four-year colleges, but that doesn't mean that they might not take a detour along the way. We have a, a former student who's building wind turbines. Oh, geez. He's definitely got a future then. Um, question. Very what do, busy. <laughs> what do you guys offer for the arts? Uh, I mean, of course, we're talking about subject matter, but there's music, art, etc. Um, how do you guys, and I know being that it's online, that it's, it's definitely going to be done in a different perspective. So how do you guys approach kids that their true calling um, are in a more artistic um, frame of mind? So I'll... So we have... Go ahead. Go ahead, <laughs> So um, <laughs> if we have a kid who's really an artistic kid, um, and obviously there's still graduation requirements and core class requirements that they need to do, because um, we have more flexibility than you would typically find, um, we are a lot, um, it's a lot easier to accommodate differing modes of expression. Um, so if a kid uh, hates writing and is a fantastic artist or a singer or something, you can do, they can, for their history projects for me, you know, do a song or do um, a poster, do uh, some of those alternative assessments uh, 
that are best practice, uh, but are sometimes hard to uh, find the time to fit in uh, in a standard uh, classroom, especially when, you know, in a standard class, you'd have 30 or more students. Uh, and then, Jackie, you can talk about the uh, other more specific uh, program options. So there are things you can do online that you can't actually do in person or where it doesn't really matter. So we have computer-aided design classes and animation and computer science, of course, but we also have web design and game design. So those classes don't really doesn't really matter whether you're online or not because the kids are looking at a computer and on those things. But we also have music classes, art classes, mixed media classes, and we send a list of items the kids need for projects. And um, we send that out a week ahead of time so that parents have time to get anything that they don't already have. And then, you know, it, the kids are all sitting there talking and doing the project just as they would in a classroom. And then there are other classes like Brett brought up the urban planning class. They learn about municipal design and architecture, et cetera, but they're also playing this, this video game. And my favorite assignment ever, by the way, was when the teacher gave each student someone else's city and had them fix the traffic problems. Oh, so the kids didn't like it very much, but all of the adults thought it was pretty awesome. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so we incorporate all of those things trying to use what online does well. Okay. It's customary to give our guests the last word on the show. So, Jackie, in our last minute, uh, why do you think knowing about schools like Flex School is relevant in today's world? Given the experiences with COVID over the last couple of years, I think it's really good to have conversations about how best to move forward and what did we learn, what didn't work, and can we fix those things going forward? And so I, I think it's more information to put into the, the pot to figure out how to better serve all of our students. And the neurodiverse students have a, a difficult time in a traditional setting, but they're not the only ones. And so how can we use things that small schools have discovered to help all kids? When we come back, we'll wrap things up, so please stay tuned. This is ROI on station KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. 
This concludes our 464th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme, which was written and performed by Mark Zap Zaptel. My name is John Keeley, and we would like to thank our noted guests, Jackie Byrne, founder of Flex Schools, and Brett Menard, Flex School history teacher, who talked to us about Flex School, serving the neurodiverse students. The history buff for today's show was Rick Sweet. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on station KALA St. Ambrose University. The views on this show are not exactly those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all our listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotso Pula Nala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. Good night.